Romans 9. Uh, we left off last week somewhere around uh, verse uh, 9 or 10 or so. But he was talking here about, uh, talking about Isaac and Jacob. You remember that? Abraham and Isaac, right? God choosing Israel. And what we've been looking at as we go through here, and I've slowed down in this chapter to make sure that we kind of nail the point home because this is one of the proof chapters for the Calvinists. A Calvinist believes that God in eternity past picks and chooses who would and wouldn't get saved. You don't have a choice in the matter. That's what they'll say. Another uh, group that likes to use this passage and, and twists a lot of the stuff that's being taught is the, uh, is the replacement theology. That's to say that God replaced Israel with the church and the church now gets all the promises that were to Israel because God's done with Israel permanently. Both of those doctrines are heinous doctrines. They're wrong. And what they do is they twist these passages because there's some wording in these passages that if you're not careful to study your Bible and compare Scripture to Scripture, if you're not careful to dig through there and let the Bible be a commentary on the Bible, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, right? So you've got to compare Scripture to Scripture because if you don't, you wind up messed up. Uh, a good one is this. God hates Malachi. God hates putting away. Right? God hates divorce. So if you don't study your Bible accurately, you wind up in a position where you think nobody can ever get divorced. And, and denominations do build a lot of their uh, belief system off stuff like that. Well, God hates putting away according to the book of Malachi, but God himself is divorced. Right? So there are actually two or three reasons in the Bible somebody can be scripturally divorced and moved on, but that doesn't mean all of us get to just divorce when we don't feel like being married anymore. It doesn't mean we get to make mountains out of molehills and try to turn everything into a biblical reason for divorce. So you've got to be careful when it comes to the Bible. You can take a passage of Scripture and twist that passage of Scripture to make it say whatever you want it to say. If you don't understand rightly dividing the word of truth, if you don't understand the mechanics on how to rightly divide your Bible, then what will happen is you'll start to think all the Bible's written to you. In other words, you'll think you're still under the law, which is the most hilarious thing I could ever think anybody could ever imagine. You know, people still think that the works of the law justify them for salvation. People still believe that stuff. It's bizarre as it can get. I mean, if you really believe in the law, when's the last time you slaughtered a lamb to get the, uh, the remission of your sin? You don't really believe the law. You don't really believe your good works are getting you there. You don't really believe you're abiding by the law. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. You better understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. If you don't understand how to rightly divide the Bible, you're going to think you can lose your salvation because there's passages that say, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. You'll, you'll look at, we are, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, Right? Think about that verse. You know, some people say, see, works save you. We are His workmanship created where? In Christ Jesus. You've got to get in Christ Jesus for God to start working on you and ordaining you to bring forth fruit and fruit that remains. You don't get that, that thing on your own. You don't work your way to salvation. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You're created. I've taught you over and over again what a creation is. To them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Anybody that becomes a son of God is somebody directly created by God. That's why Adam was a son of God, and the fallen angels are called sons of God, because they were directly created by God. 
You become directly, you're created in Christ. You see what I'm saying? You better know how to rightly divide the word of truth because what they'll do, this is what they'll do in your small groups. They'll grab a verse like that, they'll pull it out of context, and they won't compare it to the other passages and get you to see the whole picture. They'll pull that one confusing verse out of its context and then start doting about questions and strifes of words. They run into circular reasoning and start debating about the grammar of the thing and get your mind all twisted up about the grammar of it. You ain't never, you, listen, I'm not trying to be rude right now, okay? You ain't never seen a bigger bunch of tomfoolery than the uneducated generation that you and I are living in critiquing the words of God. I heard somebody saying this, what does it mean to set light by your father and mother? Well, I would say that probably means if you put a light by them, uh, that probably has something to do with putting a light by them. Uh, I would guess that has to do with uh, what, what Ham did to Noah. <laughs> what an uneducated generation you're living in. Sitting there telling you what, that thing, when you look up the word light, and then figure out is it being used as a, as a noun, as an adverb, as an adjective? <laughs> Get you a Webster's 1828 and look it up. Don't correct the Bible. Look it up. Make sure you understand the grammar. And then you compare scripture to scripture. You compare spiritual things to spiritual. That thing set in light by his father and mother is not honoring your mother and father. It's to disregard them and to, and to, and to push them away. And to, like I talked about on Sunday night, you know, they get to be the point where they're too much work, so you take them to the cliff and you push them off. You remember that illustration that had all you gagging and choking and everything else, <laughs> right? That's set in light by your father and mother. You've got to be careful when it comes to the Bible. I believe this, and I'm sure that I'll get the emails and phone calls and all this for this statement, but whatever. God wrote this book in such a way as it can save your soul or damn your soul. You can get the truth out of it or you can get an error out of it. And what determines whether you get the truth or not? That's it. It's the heart. Heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've got to love and desire and long for truth. And the truth has to be more important than your preconceived notions, your personal feelings, your views, what you've been taught, what your friends think, the way you were raised. All the rest of that stuff has to go away. And you've got to say all that matters is what is the truth. I want the truth. Sanctify them through thy Thy word is, oh, Jesus says, I'm the way, the, so truth might be important, huh? Romans chapter 9, look at verse number 10. It says, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father, Isaac. Okay, so Isaac is counted for the seed. Remember how we were talking about that last time? Was Abraham also the father of Ishmael? Ishmael wasn't counted for the seed according to God. So Abraham is the father of Ishmael, the Ishmaelites. You know what come out of the Ishmaelites? Arabs. So he's the father of many what? That doesn't mean Isaac ceased to exist. So when the New Testament tells you Abraham becomes your father by faith, that doesn't mean Israel stops being the chosen seed. It means by faith you spiritually get in under Abraham. He's the father of many nations. That means Ishmael was also his son. But God did not honor Ishmael. God did not set Ishmael up. God did not run the seed through Hagar. He ran it through Sarah. Doesn't mean Ishmael wasn't his son. It means he wasn't counted for the seed. All right, verse number 11. For the children being not yet born... 
neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So here's one of the things where they'll say, see, it has nothing to do, the children are not even born yet, and God picks an eternity past. So why did you just jump the Grand Canyon to say that this has to do with salvation? Where, anywhere in the context are we talking about salvation? We're talking about a nation. Paul started out, I speak the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, my heart's desire, I wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. All the way through this chapter, Paul has been nailing down Israel, 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 and using Israel as an illustration, which I'm going to show you in a few minutes, using Israel as an illustration to illustrate some points. Nowhere in this thing is it saying that God in eternity past elected souls to be saved or not saved. He elected Jesus Christ and Israel, mine elect. I showed you the references last week. So Israel is the chosen of God and the election of God. The children weren't even born yet. That promise to Abraham, God gave Abraham, before any of the works that, that justified him and saved him, God made him a promise. So Israel has rejected and denied Jesus Christ, have they not? I got a chance this, this, uh, this week on Monday to witness to two Jews. Man, what a blessing that was. I mean, it just kind of came up. It just kind of kept coming up, you know. And, uh, and the one guy was real kind and, and seemed interested and looked like he was thinking, and the other guy was not so on board, you could tell. And they were both kind, you know. I mean, we had a nice conversation, and I, I even left it like, I said, well, you know, I, I try to not burn my bridges. If I know somebody doesn't agree with me, I just try to prefer to leave it go because I would really hope and pray that maybe down the road the Lord works in their life and their heart works on them and their conscience works on them and they'll actually come back to me and they'll think of me if they ever want the truth. I hope they would look us up online and listen to the preaching online. The name of the church is Bible Believers Church in South Lyon. <laughs> Breadcrumbs, you know what I mean? That's what I said. The other guy, we were talking, I asked him later, and he said, yeah, I'm a Jew. And, and, and as, we were leave, as I was leaving, he said, I learned some things today. I don't know if he was just being nice or being a salesman or if he was genuine. I was looking at his eyes, and I kind of thought he was being genuine. I said, you look like you're a thinker. He said, have a nice day. Both of them in their 60s. You know, you know what it boils down to? The heart. See, we saw it last time. It's not as though the Word of God had none effect. You know, some Jews in the, in the book of Acts did get saved. The vast majority of them didn't. Why? Heart. Why did some of them get saved? They had a heart for the truth. God chose them whether they got saved or didn't get saved. God chose them. It wasn't about their works in verse number 11. It wasn't about whether or not they had pleased Him. This is a national promise from God to Abraham. And the children hadn't even had any works yet. So right now, Israel has rejected their Messiah, and they've done that for 2,000 years. But guess what? The promise still stands. I told you, you can't find unelection anywhere in the Bible. So once God elects you, you're in. He elected Jesus Christ. He elected Israel. Run the references. I, it aggravates me to no end when, when people want me to do all the homework for them. Like, well, I, can you prove that? Run the references. See if I'm telling the truth. Go home and get up a website. You guys ask me questions all the time. I'm not, harm, I'm not hamper, hammering on you. I get people that want to contact me and, you know, have all these lists of questions. 
and they obviously just want to fight. That, that aggravates me. Look it up. All, all the way through the Old Testament. Now you guys are going to think I'm talking to you and you're like, well, I don't want to ask him, but I'm not going to ask him now. No, ask me. Look up the word election all the way through your Old Testament. One time it's talking about Jesus Christ. Every other time it's Israel. You get to the New Testament and you find out what the elect is. It's people that get in Christ. They become elect. So Israel's not cut off because her works aren't satisfying. Verse 12. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I what? That's some strong verbiage. You mean, you mean God, God hates people? <laughs> Go back to Genesis chapter 25. I want you to see why God hated Esau. I know that right there, um, honestly, that right there will blow up a lot of people nowadays. Like they just have this, this uh, Genesis 25, they have this fake view of God. They have this view of God that's interpreted by their own personal feelings and opinions of who they think God should be confirmed by the churches they choose to attend. These six, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that are swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. These six things, he named you things, I quoted you six things, five things, and then a false witness, that's an individual. And he, that's an individual, that soweth discord among the brethren. Preacher, how do you melt that with saying, you telling us all the time to stop hating people that are, that are homosexual, LGBTQ, messed up, atheist, anti-God, blasphemers, filthy, filthy mouth, and all the rest of that. You tell us to quit hating them, but try, start trying to reach them. How do you blend the two? What did Jesus say? I didn't come to condemn you. You got one that's condemning you already. I'm here to tell you that the Lord loves you. I want to see him saved. That's what I want to see. So if I walk around too good to rub elbows with them, not, I didn't say sit at the bar with them on Friday night even though you're having a Coke and they're having whiskey. That's not what I said. I said if you get so high and holy that you can't even witness to them or be friendly to them or get to know them or reach out to them at all, how are you ever going to win anybody to Christ? You've got to learn how to speak the truth in love and graciously take the stands when you have to take them and always watch your testimony but also be approachable so you can reach people. But you've got to understand that the wrath of God does what? If you ain't saved, he said, the wrath of God abideth on you. The wrath of God abideth on you. You want the love of Jesus Christ? You know what you've got to do? You want the love of God? You want God to love you? Yeah. Get to his son. You find the love of God at the foot of Calvary. Without getting to the foot of Calvary, you don't have the love of God. You've got the wrath of God abiding on you. That's a, that's a powerful truth for you. And I know that's not preached today, but I don't see how you could possibly love people and not tell them the truth about it. Somebody was talking to me today, and he, he, he was kind of preparing for me a little while, and then he said we had a, a real good back and forth. 
And then he said, uh, he said, well, I read an article. And he said the religious leaders in that article uh, were saying that Jesus never really talked about hell. And I stopped. I mean, we were in a public place and there was people eavesdropping, pretty obviously eavesdropping. And I stopped and I said, wait, whoa, wait. I said, you cannot trust the religious leaders. I said, you, you know, he's an educated guy. I said, you know what they did in the dark ages, don't you? Well, well, yeah. I said, yeah, you know what they were doing? They were keeping the Bible from the people. Because they don't want individuals to know what... The Dark Ages comment made sense based on the conversation, just so you know. So I said, they don't want the people to know what God has to say to you personally. I said, a preacher's job and a pastor's job is to teach you the Bible so you personally have a relationship with God and you can personally get your answers from God yourself. I said, what the religious leaders do is try to get you to doubt and discredit the Bible so they can tell you what God says and the motive is to get your money. Well, then Cat got his tongue. And I said, I've read my Bible a couple times. And I am telling you, Jesus Christ preached more on hell than he did on heaven. I said, I don't know where you're getting that stuff from. I said, they're lying to you. That's religious leaders for you. They'll water hell down real good. They air condition it. They don't even tell you about it. It's take your next steps with Jesus, and then they turn it in as though it was a salvation. And then, well, have you trusted Jesus? Yeah, I trust Jesus. Did you take your next step? You want to take your next steps? Yeah, okay, let's dunk you now. You know how many people are getting dunked that have never been born again? Taking their next steps with Jesus and joining the church that aren't even saved? You've got to be lost to get saved. You've got to understand you're a sinner to get saved. You've got to understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to wash away your sins. He loves you more than you can fathom. There's nothing about that message that's mean or cruel other than what your sin did to him. That's pretty cruel. It's you that's the problem, not Jesus and not God. He has justifiable anger on sin and he did everything he's got to do to save him. This stuff fires me up, man. I'm tired of it. God is angry with the wicked every day and hell is prepared. It was originally prepared for the devil and his angels. And if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, you'll have your place right alongside him in hell. Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil, the lust of your father, ye will do. That's tough, ain't it? You got to realize, he said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I. Well, let's look at why. In Genesis chapter 25 and verse number 31... Uh, verse 30, Esau said unto Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore is his name called Edom. That's very important for you to understand where Edom comes from, because as you go through your Bible, you read through the Old Testament, you see the prophecies on Edom, and you see the, the relationship between Edom and Israel. This is Jacob and Esau. You had, you had uh, Isaac and, and Ishmael. You got the, you got the different, different tribes and, and, and nationalities and populations around the world and the roots of them hating Israel go all the way back here. All right, verse 31, And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. Esau said, Behold, I'm at, a point to, at the point to die. How many of you said, Did anybody today say, I'm starving? Did anybody say that today? Come on, be honest. It's okay. Don't worry about it. All right, you, I'm sure you said it, yep. I'm sure you have a reason, Rose. You're growing, you're a growing girl. You don't have any reason at all because you're not starving. Uh, anybody else? It's 
what he's saying. It's okay. It's all right. I, I didn't say I'm starving today, but I have recently, and my wife always goes, you're not starving, honey. I know, but I like, feel like I'm really, really hungry, okay? That's what he's saying. I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do me? You know what the birthright was? It was a spiritual blessing. It was a responsibility. With it came the spiritual leadership in the home. It was like too much of a commitment. It was like being a real husband, gentlemen. A real one. Not, not, not just bringing in the bacon, you know, like paying the bills and showing up every day. It was like actually being a real husband and a real father who's active and involved in your family's life. There's work to it. There's responsibility with it. There's leadership involved with it. And he despised it. Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau the pottage of lentils and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And Esau despised his birthright. Now, I'm not going to say anything about a pottage of lentils because the last time I said, I mean, who in the world would just look forward to a dinner of lentils and a little bit of bread? Remember I said that? And then somebody in the church said, Pastor, that's one of our favorite meals. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm sorry. Um, no, no problem. But I certainly wouldn't sell my birthright for my favorite meal, would you? Why, now you see why God hated him? It wasn't that God was sitting in eternity past and saying, I hate Esau. God gave him a birthright. God gave him the same thing he gives you. An opportunity to make a decision because it shows you in Genesis 25, don't miss the obvious point. The obvious point is the birthright did not belong to Jacob. It belonged to Esau. What would history be telling us? What would the Bible be saying if Esau had a heart to say, Jacob, you lost your might, you supplanter. Now, Jacob's name, God changed it later, but his name is a supplanter. You conniving, mealy-mouthing, slimy little rat, you try to take what God's given to me, I'm not giving you what God gave me. It's my responsibility. I'll die first. I'll go shoot me a deer. Then Esau was a hunter. I'll go find something. Forget you. I wonder how that whole thing would read. God loved the younger and the elder served the younger because of the choice that he made. Go over to, uh, we're in Genesis, Exodus, Genesis 25, go to Genesis 27 and look at verse 36. Now what I'm about to show you is extremely important. And parents, it'll help you in your parenting. And it'll help you in your relationship with people. Genesis chapter 27, verse 36. And he said, is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me. See that? Remember how I told you it means supplanter? You know, you don't have to go back to the original languages. The Bible is the Word of God. And I believe that means the King James Bible is the inerrant, infallible words of God. When you start changing those words, you mess it up. I can show that to you. You know my stance on it. You know what I believe. And you also know that if, if you don't necessarily understand that yet, you're still welcome here. You keep coming and you keep going through the Bible. And you keep listening and you keep studying and you keep praying. And as I keep teaching... You'll see sooner or later how much the new translations destroy the teaching. You lose so much. You just trust the book. You trust God. I'm just trying to encourage you to have your faith in God. And the King James Bible, when you run across hard things that you don't necessarily understand, it will define itself for you almost every single time. It's wild. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's God's fingerprints, man. It's amazing. 
All right, so Jacob's a supplanter. Hath not he supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hath thou not reserved a blessing for me? He's feeling sorry for himself. Well, you know the story. Jacob went in there and snuck and lied and stole the blessing, right? You say, that's pretty bad. He's a supplanter. He's a trickster. He's a manipulator. He's stealing. He's lying. He's helped out by his mom to do it. So how is it that God loved him? He was a train wreck. Can anybody in the room relate? <laughs> I mean, don't raise your hand, but are any of you train wrecks? I mean, any of you got stuff in the past that you wish to God wasn't in the past? Would some of you folks that are 40 and 50 years old, if you could rewind the clock, would you redo a lot of things? Why are you sitting here tonight? Why does God love you? Jacob was a train wreck. But you know what the difference was? Jacob wanted that birthright. He wanted that responsibility. Jacob wanted that blessing. He went about it all the wrong way. His, his methods were messed up. But his motive was, I want God's blessing. And so it says, since his motive was right, God took some time to fix his methods and God had to grind him to powder. Boy, God put him through the ringer. God busted him up on the way back from being with his father-in-law for 20 years, was it? He wrestled with the angel all night long and said, I ain't letting you go unless you bless me. Hey, have any of you ever wrestled for an hour? There's some of you in here. Let's see your hands. How many of you guys? You guys have wrestled for an hour. Come on, Tatum. Put your hand up. Brandon, you did too. An hour. Could you like put into words to somebody who's never, you have, gone at it for an hour? Like set the clock and okay, guys, it's blankety blank Friday. We're going to warm up and we're going for an hour. Uh, the, uh, one minute breaks. Five minute rounds. I used to hate it. Sometimes he'd get ready for worlds. He'd say, all right, eight minute rounds. Like, we don't have to go eight minutes, man. Not at my level. Eight minute rounds. Two minute breaks. Literally, everybody's laying on the floor at the end with their hands like this. There's sweat absolutely everywhere and snot and blood and whatever else. And we're laying there. <laughs> Can't even talk. One hour. He wrestled with the angel all night long. I'd put everything I got on it. There's not a man in this room that's ever gone at it for a whole night. He wanted that blessing so bad. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said, all right, fine. I'll give you the blessing. And then blew his hip up. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. You see a heart, you guys understand heart? You ever gone against somebody that you just realize he's not going to quit and you have to make that decision in the moment whether you're going to or not? You ever get pushed right to that point? And then saying, ah, forget it, I'll die first, let's keep going. Uh, that's, that's the heart of the guy, it's heart. See, what, you understand what I'm talking about? It's hard. My dad told me all the time, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Jacob wanted it. And that's why God loved him. Esau was like, uh, I, hope, I hope none of you young ones in here, I hope you ain't an Esau, willing to throw away everything God's given you for some a little bit of temporary pleasure in this world. I sure hope not. You're, you're nuts if you do. 
All right, so he's all upset here. He's feeling sorry for himself. Verse 37, Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren I have given him for thy servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said, Behold, thy dwelling shall be with the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above, and thy sword... Uh, shalt thou live, but by thy sword shalt thou live, and thou shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau, see it, hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. Murder. And you see his heart? So when God said, I hated him. It's not because God in eternity past, like some foolish idiots will tell you, that God in eternity past sat over there and made the decision that he's going to hate Esau. It's because of the heart. Go to Hebrews chapter 12 and let me show you something. I think this is very important for you to understand. Hebrews chapter 12, and again, I, I reiterate the point that will help you parents with your kids. Hebrews 12, 14. He says, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15, watch this. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be a fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, not the birthright, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, based on what I just showed you in Genesis, You interpret this passage based on that. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, right? First of all, we know doctrinally this is to the Hebrews. That's the Jews. When God's dealing with them again in the future in the tribulation, that's why the book of Hebrews tells you you can lose your salvation while Paul's books don't. In the future, in the millennium, they go back under the law. Galatians tells you you're not under the law. I mean, there's people trying to creep into the church, you know, the small group studies, you know, the people that never, never went, put all the work in and went through what they had to get through to get to the point to teach people, but they think that they have a right to sit around and teach everybody. I'm sorry, you understand that aggravates me? How many of you guys are good mechanics? I'm, Todd's not here tonight. I know he's one. Your brother's a great one. Anybody else a good mechanic, a decent mechanic? Yep, I thought you were, but I didn't want to speak for you, Dwayne. Dwayne's a good mechanic. You're a good, you're a good mechanic. You work on all the... You worked on airplanes and now you're working on all the big stuff over there. I, 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 can, I can change a tire. I'm sure this with YouTube I could change the oil. How would you like it if I walked up on a job where you got an engine tore all apart or a transmission tore all apart and started trying to tell you how to put it back together? That aggravate you? How about, how, about, how about walking into the doctor's office, right? Well, I went through 18 years of school to get here, 12 years of school to get here. Well, I was Googling. 
So yeah, I get a little bit worked up when people who, who want to be teachers start trying to spread their teachings around the church when they don't know, they don't have a clue what they're talking about. And then they try to tell you that the law is still in effect. Don't listen to them. They're false teachers. They have an authority problem. That's the issue right there. And they'll get mad as a wet hen at me for talking the way I talk. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> well, just sit there and watch. You'll see, you know. So you understand doctrine. This is the Jew in the tribulation. Now here's what he says. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. What was the problem? A root of bitterness sprang up and troubled him. And what does bitterness do? It defiles you. Lest there be a fornicator or a profane person. So there was a lot more going on in Esau's life than just what God showed you in Genesis. I just don't know why God would say he hated Esau. That's not fair. God picked Esau over Jacob. Well, God was seeing a lot of things that Hebrews tells you God was watching in Esau's life that he didn't tell you in Genesis. He just told you that he had no desire for spiritual things. All he cared about was food. Didn't care about the spiritual things. He wanted, he wanted pleasure, he wanted food, and he wanted blessing. Bless me. Don't, don't, don't require the birthright out of me, but bless me. Bless me, Father. Bless me. No, the blessing's gone. Don't you have a blessing for me? Now, here's the point I'm trying to make to you. Look at the next verse. For we know, ye know, how that afterward he would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. I've heard preachers get in the pulpit and take this verse right here and start, literally, I can remember, I can see the guy talking about, you better ask him now, you better get saved now, because you might come later and he won't hear you. I've seen him, I've seen him now at the altar, on their knees, oh God, save me, oh God, save me, and God wouldn't save him. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to be pastoral and spiritual. But that kind of thing makes me... So I, could, I couldn't sit in a service like that right now. Hey! I, I, mean, I, I mean, I just got to stay away from it. Because I'd probably be like, Hey, Jacklag! Sit down and let a real preacher give these people the truth. Esau wasn't repenting of his sin. He was full of bitterness. And what he wanted was the blessing. And since he denied the birthright, didn't care about it, cared more about the things of the world and sought only the blessing from God rather than the God of the blessing, God rejected him and he didn't get what he wanted no matter how much he threw a fit about it. Just like Saul. Saul claims, I've sinned. Pharaoh said, I've sinned. Judas said, I've sinned. You can say, I've sinned. You can say, I'm really sorry. And the real problem is not that you're actually repentant. Not that you're saying, woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the Lord of glory. And when I see him, I hate me. I abhor myself like Job and repent. I abhor myself and repent. 
You see how that's, there's no pride left in that. There's no me left in that. There's no feel good left in that. It's an utter abandonment of everything I am. And I'm sorry for what I am. And God, if you'll forgive me, I'd really appreciate having a relationship with you. God will never walk away from somebody like that. That woman at the well had a list of sins a mile long. And he said, yeah, and the guy you got now ain't yours. You're living in adultery on top of everything else you got in the past, girl. And that woman walked away saved and cleansed and forgiven. And all those Pharisees that never committed adultery and never did any of that stuff and walked around Bible verses and keeping the law all the time and all the rest of those arrogant little fools walk away and split hell wide open, white at sepulchers. You know what the problem was? The heart. So your heart is a really big issue before God. And Esau's problem was he didn't want forgiveness for his sin. Esau wanted the blessing. And so though he sought a place of repentance carefully with tears, he didn't find it because he was bitter, he was angry, he was a fornicator, and he was mad that God wasn't giving him what he wanted. That was Saul's problem. Well, none of you feel sorry for me. So he repents at the last minute because he's trying to get back what he knows he just lost. In other words, in other words, repentance because motivated by I don't want to have to accept what I've done is not repentance. Now, does that make sense? Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. How about this one? Here's a good one. Well, yeah, I made a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. What you're saying is, I know I was wrong. Now, don't judge me. Don't give me the repercussions for my actions. I don't want any discipline. I don't want to deal with the fallout of what I did. Just leave me alone because I said I'm sorry and I admitted I'm wrong. That ain't repentance. That's Esau. God said, I love Jacob. I hate him. But nowadays, that's what you get. You ever notice the kids will start screaming before you even lay a hand on them? <laughs> Acting like they're sorry. I'm sorry. That's like old school. I know nowadays it's like, oh, you believe in spanking your children? I wish more people would spank them, to be honest with you. I think that'd be great. I think we should just go back to the old days where when you lipped off to mama... How many of you remember being in the car on the way to church? And the parents are just kind of like hitting anything they can hit. And we're doing all right, aren't we? Y'all, like you can actually keep down jobs and you show up at work and you say yes, sir, to the boss and all the rest of that stuff. I'm sick of this stuff, man. So they'll start screaming before you even touch them because they don't want to deal. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because they don't want to get the repercussions of what they did. And then you worry about their psyche. You know, well, I don't want to be too hard on them. Amen. <laughs> Spoken very eloquently, Brother Mike. That was... <laughs> <laughs> Go to First John. I'm going to stop right here for tonight because I want to show you some stuff about Pharaoh. I want to show you some things about Pharaoh and I don't want to rush through it. And if I start, I'm going to need about 20 more minutes at least to show you this part. I want to wrap it up in First John. Chapter 1 and verse number 9. That's 2 John, that's why. 
Oh, uh, look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Every last one of you. <laughs> I'm saved. Yeah, in your standing, you're perfect. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're washed in the blood and there's no sin on your account at all as far as your salvation is concerned. Your state is Michigan. That's on this earth. And I guarantee you it's 8 o'clock at night on a Wednesday night. And you've been running around a dirty world all day. Uh, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, you actually need a confessional booth. And you're the priest. And the intercessor is Jesus Christ. For your relationship. You know what most Christians do? They start confessing when they get caught. I had a guy one time got in some messed up trouble and I mean it was pretty bad and I had to make a phone call to figure out how to figure it out because I knew I was going to get lied to so I made a phone call so I could get educated on how to figure out how to figure it out and this is what was said to me he said alright he got caught but what he's going to tell you is this is the first time he's done it and what I'm guaranteeing you it's not the first time you know what that guy said once I got him to tell the truth after 45 minutes, the first thing out of his mouth was, but this is the first time I've done it. Get out of my office. You're sorry because you got caught. Now, some of you got some problems. Some of you young people, you're struggling. Come on, don't tell me you're not. I'm not stupid. You're in a hard world. You are growing up. I, I have more respect for you than you realize, and I'll continue to show you respect. I'm not, I'm, not in a, I'm not in accord with, in agreement with, treating somebody once they're 19, 20, 21 years old. Uh, you graduate, you, you're trying to do right. You know, you're, you're, out, you're out of school and you're moving on with your, or you're 16 and you're actually for yourself, you're trying to do right. Or you're 15 and you're trying to do right. You mean it, you love God and you're wanting to do right. I will treat you with respect. You act like a punk, I won't respect you at all. But if you act respectable and make good decisions, I'll treat you with respect. I have no problem. I'm not that insecure. I think you can be real smart and be young. Doesn't mean you know as much as your parents, okay? So don't start that stuff because then you're going to get slapped back and then you'll find out quick how much we don't respect you. Understand what I'm saying? But everybody wants to be treated with respect. Okay, so be respectable and we'll be glad to respect you. I respect the fact that a lot of these young people are trying to do right. I think that takes guts and backbone. That's, to me... To me, that's a real man. To, able, to be able to stand up for right and wrong in a public school. To say no. To be a public witness. Some of these guys that can publicly witness for Jesus Christ. What I like about you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Just give me a second. This isn't in my notes. This is free. What I like about some of you guys, I think it's super cool. You could beat somebody up if you wanted to. Most of the men nowadays. And yet at the exact same time, you can be awful kind and awful respectful and a bold witness for Jesus Christ. I like that. To me, that's manly. I respect the fact that some of you are trying to do right. I guarantee you something. If you're trying to do right and God's given you some truth and you have a birthright, God's given you something. You got, you got a spiritual blessing being in this church, being raised in a family like that and being taught this book like you're being taught it from the time you're in the Sunday schools downstairs all the way through, you got something special. You despise that thing, 
you lost your mind. God's going to do some great stuff for you. He wants to give you a birthright, but beyond a birthright, he wants to give you a blessing. And you're not going to listen, are you? You're going to be more concerned about video games than your Bible and about whether or not you're getting made fun of at school and standing up for Jesus Christ. Now, y'all are at school today, unless you're on break. Either way, I guarantee you, you've got some stuff you're struggling with. You ought to get right with God tonight before you get caught. Don't wait till mom and dad catch you. You know what I learned the hard way? And the easy way. I learned the hard way if I waited till my dad caught me, I was dead. And I thank God for him. More, more and more as I get older and he comes up in my mind, I thank God for him. I was driving around today praying for him and thanking God for him. I appreciate a daddy that had just let me have it. <laughs> you know what else he told me? He said, if you come to me before I catch you because you're sorry, it'll go really easy. You know what I learned? It's easier to get to the Father before the Father gets to you. That's the difference between Jacob and Esau. They were both messed up. But Jacob's heart was a heart of, I want the blessing and I want the birthright. I want God. If we confess our sin, verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us. To forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jacob, you get to him first. I mean, I've told you before, daily part of your devotional life, daily, and probably multiple times a day, ought to be confession. I've tried to make it a practice of getting down and saying, Lord, I'm not sure what's there, but I'm sure it's there. Because if I say I have no sin, I deceive myself and the truth ain't in me. So before we get going here, is there anything I need to square up? And it's amazing how stuff just starts coming to mind. And you I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Would you please help me? Would you please help me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you know what I love about him? He's faithful and he's just. So you know what he does? He says, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. But that repentance that comes after you've been busted, that's why by the time you catch him, mom and dad, you don't, negotiate with them and you don't go easy on them. They got caught. The reason you caught them is because God wanted you to catch them because God wanted them to feel the repercussions of their actions. Oh, my children would never. You're nuts. I want to damage their psyches. That's how you're da- That's exactly what's happened to the entire generation. Proof's in the pudding. That's exactly it. You caught them, you deal with them. Let not thy soul spare for his crime. Right? I told you they start screaming like they're dead before you even touch them. So mom will come running in the room. Why are you beating him? Like, I haven't even touched her yet. What do you mean? Everything's fine. See the difference in the repentances? One says, I don't want to deal with what I, had to do, what I did. I don't want the repercussions of my actions. I want the blessing anyhow. The other one says, I'm sorry for what I am. And if you don't bless me, I'm going to die right here, right now. I'm not stopping Till you bless me because I want you. And then he walked different the rest of his life. He was weaker. He walked leaning on a staff. All right, let's dismiss in a word of prayer. Father.